Welcome everyone. I wanted to address the topic of grief today. How do we approach grief, right? What is my perspective on it? Because if there is one thing that we will all experience in life, well, there are many things that are very common to human experience, but for sure grief is one of them. We will grieve. One thing is for, for certain, because nothing is permanent, right? We will lose loved ones, we will lose our stability, our security, our homes, we will lose bad things and good things. And grief is an essential part of human experience. Grief is part of life, just as joy is part of life and happiness. And the paradox is if we don't allow ourselves to grieve fully, we also lose joy. I've seen this so often in you know, my work with clients, in my own life, obviously. If we refuse the depths of experience, if we refuse to go into the depths of a negative experience, it doesn't mean to be stuck there, but if we refuse to feel the grief, the sadness, the sorrow, the anger, that we are not able to feel joy, to feel happiness, exuberance, that we're not able to access that energy that is available. And grief is one of those very powerful catalysts uh, for liberating more energy. If we don't feel grief, then we are stuck, right? It paralyzes us. There is apathy. Now, this may sound a bit uh, counterintuitive or contrary to what you know or to what was said before or even uh, what I have a podcast on levels of consciousness, right? And you say, oh, but grief is one of the lowest levels of consciousness. You don't want to go there. So this is an issue I think that comes up often in, um, you know, like kind of this modern and somewhat superficial at times, spirituality, where we just think that we have to go to the positive, or everything has to be positive all the time, right? Grief is negative, shame is negative, anger is negative, so we will never approach them, right? We always have to be positive all the time. Well, what happens in practice, right? It, it gets very, very dull. It comes to the common denominator. If you have to be positive all the time, then you're either very shallow <laughs> and then are surprised why nobody wants to talk to you because that it becomes more and more shallow, right? There is no depth, there is no... Uh, and you yourself are gradually moving away from joy, from happiness, and then wondering, well, what's wrong with me? I'm trying to stay positive all the time. And somehow I'm not feeling happy, right? I'm feeling more and more miserable. The more I try to stay positive, the more miserable I get. Um, of course, we all have our individual characteristics. Some people are just naturally more able to see joy in everything. And it's also a part of the spiritual path. But in my experience, also people who have experienced true sadness, true sorrow, true grief and loss and misery, they're also able to connect to joy much easier. They know 
what true joy, what the depth of joy means. And sometimes they cannot handle or bear their sorrow, but often to the outside world, they, are, they present as joyful and happy. It's precisely because they know the value of, of sadness. So these are all very difficult emotions, of course, to navigate. Grief, if we get stuck in it, it can kill us. It's a very strong, very powerful, very potent energy. In some cultures still, and in, in the ancient times, right, uh, community elders, community leaders knew the power of grief and knew the importance of navigating and working with it um, in a controlled manner, but also the importance of expressing grief. For example, death, right? Somebody dies in a community. I remember when, when I lived in Oslo and um, my the, the spiritual teacher at the time, she was sharing that someone died in the Congolese community. And so the whole community gathered, these were the Catholic Christians, the whole community gathered and they were wailing and, and weeping and yelling all night together. And then in the morning they went, they went to work and they went to do their daily duties. And she said, well, it's impressed her so much because in our culture we run away from grief and we run away from death. Oh, he passed away, right? He crossed over to the other side. We can't even say the word death because it's, oh, my goodness, what if, right? That, that's, that's horrifying. Death, grief, sadness, anger. No, no, no. We have to run away. We have to go up, up in vibration. Problem is we cannot go up in vibration unless we work with those lower emotions. That's not how reality works. Everything is polar, everything is dual in, in our world in that sense. So the more you deny and try to push away grief and unpleasant emotions, the more kind of dull, <laughs> the more unable you become to also feel joy. And another aspect of it, that grief, it carries a lot of energy. It is like a cork, like a gateway to opening energy. So if that grief has not been allowed to express you will feel more and more drained. Think of, for example, after a serious loss in life, right? Maybe a loved one uh, passed away or you lost a job or you moved and left everything and moved. Or you were forced to leave everything and move or your house was taken away. There is that time where you feel lack of energy, where you want to sleep all the time, where you feel drained, where you can't do anything because it's such a shock to the system. And working with grief, it liberates that energy in its own time. But it's, it's very important because, in, like, say, even in my work, I used to also, I think, fall prey to that uh, ideology or that theory, right? That, oh, we just have to clear grief. We just have to, like, get away with it. 
grief, unexpressed grief uh, from the point of view of mind-body um, is stored in uh, the lungs. That's from the Chinese medicine point of view. And uh, in the back of the heart chakra energetically. Sometimes when we connect to our souls, when we go through spiritual awakening, we connect to ancestral grief, the grief of our soul group members, the collective grief. And that's why it feels so very overwhelming. It just feels there is a bottomless pit of grief that has opened. Well, guess what happens if you try to run away from it, right? It only gets worse. So that's where... I also had to readjust my approach to grief and recognize it for what it is. It is a part of our power and it's a part of our reality. Unexpressed grief will destroy us eventually. Being stuck in grief will destroy us eventually as well. So there is a dance here that you know we have to recognize it for for what it is and grief can also come up based you know or rooted in positive changes let's say you moved to a better place or uh, you had a child you had a baby or you got a better job, a new and better job, much better job, right? You uh, moved in with your partner. You accepted a position, right, at, uh, wherever it is. You changed your career. Wonderful, good news. But it can also bring up a lot of grief. And because our mind tells us, oh, no, 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 you know, it's all happy, it's wonderful, I have to be grateful, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Something must be wrong with me. And then we just, by suppressing that grief, we, we put ourselves more and more into depression and paralysis. So it's been important for me also to acknowledge, to allow myself to acknowledge, look, I'm grieving. And once I did that, I remembered... So many episodes in my life, like when I moved to study at the university, for example, and, uh, you know, I, I moved into my uh, dorm room and it's like, oh, you know, a whole new life began. And for one week, I was crying every night before I was going to sleep. And I thought, oh, why? Like, you know, I, I don't understand why, but I was grieving my past life even if I didn't enjoy it so much, and if, even if I, you know, felt I had enough of it. But I was grieving. And now I realize that it's actually the most normal thing in the world. So when changes happen in life, allow yourself some time. And the experience of others and kind of the cultural history of grieving um, suggest to me that it's best to set a time apart and even create a sort of a ritual around grief. If it's a big grief, it comes in waves and it comes in stages. But when we're talking about small griefs, such as, you know, having a new, getting a new job and suddenly being overwhelmed by grief, 
it is usually a process that maybe takes a couple of weeks, no more. And to the mind, it's very logical, but it's important to acknowledge it. So it's important to just set aside a time, maybe at sunset, right? The sun is going down, the day is ending. I'm giving myself my 10 minutes of grief. I will sit down, meet my grief, say hello, grief, right? Speak to me. Very often, uh, grief will want to express through non-logical, non-rational, right? Non-linear patterns, uh, for example, sound, like wailing or just starting with a sound. What sound does my grief have? And then it will turn into an expression such as crying or, or wailing, right? Or screaming into a pillow or just... A more you know like softly crying it it depends allowing it to find its way but let's say I will have my 10 minutes of grief I allow myself to have it and do it every day for two weeks until you feel a shift until you feel it's exhausted itself because if you don't then you may actually get depressed in a new job and and a new career and a new place right or keep punishing yourself for crying, uh, yeah, you know, before going to bed every night. But that is natural. So we have to, um, at least I had to recognize that, you know, even those positive changes in life, they bring about grief and it's normal because they are rerouting ourselves, our energy system, it gets rerouted like a tree, we're being plucked from plucked up from one place right and replanted in another and it takes time to adjust it's a root adjustment so it brings up all the uh, root level pain and blocks and even ancestral pain and it it may come up like for example you can start connecting through that grieving uh, to the pain of your ancestors who had to move and who had to get a new job without asking for it, without wanting it, right? Maybe they were forced by war to move across a continent and lose everything. And that their grief also sits in you. So when you're being transplanted, it moves, um, moves you to grief. And it doesn't matter whether you are consciously aware of it or not by allowing yourself to cry and release and allow whatever memories come up you you are releasing that for them too so that's a, a crucial part i think in terms of you know we can't really lock out negative the so-called negative emotions because they are a part of our experience no we don't want to cry all the time we don't want to you know go for a week crying non-stop but to allow ourselves to experience grief and to express it in the way that suits us the most to acknowledge it as a very powerful emotion that is i mean without it we can't experience joy eventually we'll cut ourselves off from joy as well now, when it comes to bigger griefs, of course, it it can get much more complex. Um, 
and usually we're dealing with big grief such as losing a partner for example right or losing a loved one losing a home or a lifetime investment career and so on we can only deal with it in increments because it's so huge that dealing with the totality of it will overwhelm us so very often um big griefs big pains they come to release through small griefs um uh, to give you an example like sometimes when and especially during spiritual awakening or right before spiritual awakening or when you know uh, people become reconnected to their souls especially women and suddenly they'd notice that they get very short-tempered and for example start yelling at someone or start crying for no reason one of the reasons for this may be that there is a grief that needs to be processed grief that can have multiple sources and that they're also connecting to their ancestral grief and soul level grief but the fullness of it is so huge that it comes up in little increments and it can feel like oh you know i'm crying or perhaps to put it in a in a different way um if you lost a loved one for example and let's say a week or two from then you may um whatever you know break a key let's say and so you need to go and and make a new key for your apartment and suddenly breaking the key would bring up so much grief you just break down and start crying uncontrollably as if losing one key is more painful than losing your loved one and that is actually very very normal it's because your system can process the big loss one step at a time so you are breaking down over a key because not because a key is so important right but because you are releasing some of that grief so recognizing that and acknowledging that is also important and crucial right oh yes i'm allowing myself to grieve let me let me cry over the loss of the key it's okay right and not judge myself that i'm so so small right and i go oh i should be joyful all the time or why do i cry over a key when i should be crying over the loss of my loved one well no that's as much as i can handle now so those big griefs obviously they get processed and released over the years and get transmuted into power but ultimately my point is that we need to have a respect for grief it is a source of immense power and it is also perhaps useful to personalize it to see grief as a mistress as a lady of power who has this black dark mantle right but 
who also can bring you gifts. Your strength, your joy, paradoxically, lies in that deep well of grief. And practically speaking, the best thing you can do is to set up a time and place and space to meet that grief, if needed, every day and to talk to it, to work with it as an essential part of your life, of who you are. Because if you don't, right, it's, it's going to destroy you or it's going to dull you completely. Or in some cases, um, it will start screaming at you from the body, right? Sometimes people who have not been able to process their pain effectively or have tried to rationalize it too quickly, um, they start feeling aches and pains in the body, like with no explanation, no, no rational, uh, like medical, uh, you know, nothing a medical science can pinpoint very well. So the respect for grief, allowing it to release from the body, the mind and the soul, that's crucial because otherwise it will start like literally eating you alive. Now, from the perspective of the Akashic Records, there isn't much to be added here. Uh, grief is not a rational thing. You can't start explaining to yourself, oh, now I am grieving uh, the loss of a key more than I am grieving the loss of my parent. And that is because if you go into the mind, you're trying to move away from the grief again, right? Or you are trying to jump steps and say, oh, yes, yes, but I have transcended grief. No, <laughs> you have not. Even the most enlightened being can and will grieve because that's part of, part of reality. You have not transcended grief. Another thing is how you perceive it and how you allow it, you know, to interact with your reality. But uh, crying and grieving is, if you remember, there are many stories of, of spiritual masters. Uh, Jesus comes to mind for, for one thing, that, you know, he was, he was crying with the people who were grieving because that is a part of reality. You, you can't, you're never too enlightened to transcend grief. So it's not a rational thing. Sometimes people come to the Akashic Records or approach the Akashic Records from a very, um, how do we put it, you know, very um, uh, over overly rationalizing perspective, like from the mind, right? From the ego. So, oh, can the Akashic Records tell me why this happened? Well, why it, it happened? Because it happened. That's, that's, that there are reasons. Okay, what do you want to know, right? Because there was a karma, there was a, a soul contract, there was uh, an agreement, a lesson to be done. Yes, it was part of somebody's path. What 
what good, what do you want to know? But a lot of the times I think we think <laughs> that somehow the Akashic Records will give us some answers which will allow us not to feel or to run away from our inner work. And of course it never happens. In my personal experience, I used to, because of my personality type, um, where I tend to be more more practical than theoretical, right? I don't like going into abstract theories and um, uh, am guided more by, let's say, uh, logic and thinking than by feelings. Because of my personality type, it was always easier for me to communicate with uh, men. Um, and it still is like on a practical level. Or traveling with men or shopping with men is like very, very easy. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> traveling or shopping, shopping with women is difficult for me. And uh, the f precisely because of the way the brain works, right? Um, and so it used to be easier um, also working with men like in, in that in the, on the spiritual level. But now I found that shifting uh, because I'm not saying that for every man, but there is a tendency um, for men to approach spiritual development kind of in the same way, right? They approach everyday life and to approach the Akashic Records as kind of that source of um, power knowledge, right? Oh, I'm just coming there. Yes, yes. It's like I came into a library and yes, please, can you show me that book? Um, I need an explanation of how to fix my car. Can't find it anywhere. Can you please give me that so I, I have it all figured out? And, <laughs> and it doesn't work like that. So um, because of and it happens to everyone. I mean, women can approach the, you know, the supposed like information in the Akashic Records with the same attitude. Like, oh, I just need to figure out this. No, no, no. I don't want to hear about anything else. I just need to figure out this one thing. Uh, can you please give me the answers? Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Bye. Um, and to an extent, yes, it, it may work this way to an extent. But the problem, of course, with the Akashic Records, you can't get information that doesn't exist, right? Because sometimes the mind imagines that there is, oh, no, I must be having all of these problems because I uh, had, you know, 20 past lives where I was a murderer. And it turns out, no, <laughs> it's, that's not why, right? You're, you're having these problems because you don't want to deal with this, this and this, and because you're carrying a burden of your ancestors that is ready to be transmuted. Like, for example, it can be, can be many different answers. Uh, it's possible that someone was a murderer and in a past life and is uh, working on redeeming that. Uh, but my point is um, we approach sometimes, you know, not wanting to deal with those heavy emotions, uh, to deal with anger coming up, right? Anger is another thing that can be connected to grief, deep grief. They often dance together especially for women, there can be a lot of hidden anger that, again, once 
allowed to be acknowledged, it brings up a lot of power. And then this anger can be transmuted into strength, joy, empowerment, into drive, into creativity. But first, it needs to be addressed. If you've been told to be a good girl all your life, it's very difficult to connect to anger. It's very difficult to connect to reality. Or for example, oh no, I'm a Christian, right? I have to pray for everyone who persecutes me, whatever, I'm, I'm, I've never felt anger. There will be a time when it comes up. So sometimes we approach the Akashic Records from this perspective, like, oh, you know, I just need to find out why I'm angry <laughs> all the time, all of a sudden. As if there were this, you know, one size fits all answer. Oh, you're angry because, uh, and like, but usually the answer is, oh my goodness, where do we start? Well, you're angry because you've been trying to be a good girl all your life. And to shift that, we have to go into all the reasons why you've been trying to be a good girl all your life. And the first of these reasons is, of course, the ancestry and collective consciousness, and then how your mind was programmed and so on. So in terms of the Akashic Records, um, I don't think it's a good direct tool to work through grief, work with grief. Yes, it may give you answers in the sense that it can open your eyes a little bit more, widen your perspective, help you recognize that, no, actually, you're not a bad person, right? You're not, and there's nothing wrong with you for crying because you received a new job, which pays you double, right? But for some reason, you feel miserable. So they can help you with that, but there is nothing, you know, there is like no magic tool that can shift that uh, crying overnight, like, oh, please help me not cry. It, it's impossible because you have to process it through your physical body, through your physical emotions. The Akashic records are way too high up the, the energetic scale uh, to have any emotion. So there is no emotional component in the Akashic Records. They're very neutral. So they can't help in terms of working with emotions. Uh, they can help in the sense of lifting your vibration up and just feeling better uh, going up. But then again, you'll only be able to go up as high as you've been low. So if you never really engaged with your negative emotions in a deep way, then it will be difficult to feel any shifts when working with the Akashic record. So there is, and sometimes it, it, it takes time, right? It takes time to work with emotions. So I think from the Akashic records perspective, sometimes it's um, a trick of the mind, like to try and bypass the feelings, the actual expressions of emotions, or sometimes people will ask, oh, is that something from past lives, why I'm feeling so miserable or why I'm feeling pain? Well, no, <laughs> you're feeling pain because you never worked with your grief. You bypassed it too soon. You need to grieve over and over again. 
and again and again. And you tried to reach enlightenment in two months and said, oh yes, now I understand that there is no observer, etc., etc. So I'm just observing my grief, but the observer and the observed are one and the same. Well, that's all an intellectual understanding. But your pain has nothing to do with your past lives. Your pain has to do with your grief, right? Or with your unexpressed anger, and etc. So it's a very tricky... Um, dance in terms of you know working with emotions in the direct way the Akashic records can't help you work with emotions we can bring in components from other um, fields right or from other modalities to help navigate so to pinpoint the cause and then for example to use like guided visualizations or to shift the grief a little bit sometimes in my sessions I ask the high beings to clear grief from the organs like for example from the lungs and that usually uh, results in um, crying right so the client begins to cry in the session which is wonderful because it releases those emotions and processing happens and it releases these stuck emotions that maybe come from the inner child already you know impossible to consciously remember but they start moving so it's a combination of um, energy work and akashic records work and you know mind mind body techniques so you kind of as we are in that quantum soup it's much easier to address it but from the point of view of pure information the way you know a lot of people approach the akashic records as an information source well, it's just the cold information source. How is it going to? So combined methods, yes. But um, because we are so uncomfortable with uncomfortable emotions, understandably, there will be a resistance. And for many advanced souls, especially this resistance, you know, it will express in trying to bypass the feeling, but rather going into rationalizing and thinking about it as if if I try, if I explain my emotion to myself, then it will be over. That's the rationale <laughs> behind it. it, it there is some part to it that is true. It's good to know what you're feeling and why. But we often try to like bypass the actual discomfort. And we think that, oh, I, I, just, I just need to explain it and then move on to the light without, without connecting with the depths. But both, both are necessary. There is a place for explaining and understanding, but there is also a place for this raw, non-linear, um, uncontrolled, for the time that you are experiencing it, ex expression. Just the pure, raw anger or grief. There, there needs to be a time to channel it away from understanding or putting words or coherence, any coherence, any structure into it. But it also needs a structured framework. Now by this I mean 
if you're struggling with these things that I was just talking about and if you kind of feel, oh, this really speaks to my life, then by all means, set apart, as I, as I said, like set apart five minutes, ten minutes a day. Maybe it's exactly what's happening, right? Maybe you got a new job and are wondering, why am I so sad? So find those 10 minutes a day and just say, what do you have to tell me? Grief, come. Anything, anything, right? I can sing or wail or just make a sound coming from my belly. And maybe that sound brings up another sound or it brings up a memory of how someone took my candy when I was three and I will cry over that. Everything is good. Then you set an alarm, 10 minutes have gone and you go back to your life. Tomorrow you do the same. So in this controlled interval, you express your grief, you work with it because you need it. But in this interval, not, uh, you know, 24-7. But when it knows that it has a place, it's allowed to express itself, then often things begin to shift. Of course, sometimes grief just hits you. You take out an old picture and you start crying. Honor that. It's one of the most precious moments that you can have. Grief, your grief is your power. Your grief is the source of your strength. It's your root. It's what makes you who you are. Cry. You know, hold that picture and cry. Honor the ancestors. Honor the past. The, what you had, what you received, what you gave away. Whatever comes up. This is not a structured process very often. But what I'm saying is... These, you know, anger, grief, sadness, yes, they have this, you know, low frequency because they can destroy you, can bring you to death or very close to death. But they're also a part of life because death is just another coin of life. It's not separate from it. So you can't wish these emotions to go away just because you want to underneath is power strength joy if you've been joyless for the past 10 years there is a chance maybe that there was some grief that you didn't want to process by now you may even not remember what it was maybe one of the solutions could be again structuring some time around allowing yourself to grieve and, f and today it may just be well I'm grieving that I don't know that uh, I gained 10 kilos of weight for example or that the sun is setting and I'll grieve that for five minutes but maybe over time it will bring up those other deeper issues that were not allowing joy to flow in it's not a universal answer as to why you might be feeling joyless. There can be many reasons and a whole, you know, uh, community of reasons intertwined. But um, don't 
push away grief, sadness, anger. Don't push them away too soon, too fast. They need to have a voice too because they are a part of you. So with that, I will say goodbye and thank you. I wish you all the blessings. You can find me on healing-radiance.com and uh, today is also the full moon. I wish you all the blessings. May it fill up your energy field with light and prosperity. And if you have an opportunity, you can also go outside, you know, during the full moon and just allow that light to fill up your aura, to cultivate more allowing, more flow in life. So thank you and until next time, be blessed.